Views expressed by Casters Guild members are only the opinions of that member, and that could change from day to day. Guild members may use mature language, but that in no way means they are mature. Listener discretion is advised. The adventure begins. They were always beside you, your nerdy best friends, and the DM to guide you. Inspiration is waiting. Rise up. Don't think twice. Put your fate in your hands. Take a chance. Roll the dice. Because that's the spell we're casting tonight on Casters Guild. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Casters Guild. I am Rick Perry, Guildmaster and DM extraordinaire. And I am Guildmaster Baron Kane. And this is a formal request to Talison. I would like to game with you someday. You could just come on over. We'll game. We'll make it. Oh, oh sorry. I'm getting the call off sign. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, joining us today as a new guild member, feel free to introduce yourself. Howdy, guys. Uh, I am Cosplay Meg. And tonight, we will be talking Critical Role. So, um, it's been a while since we've talked Critical Role. As a matter of fact, the last time we talked about it, it was just before the uh, finale of Campaign 2. So, uh, let me ask, how was that that finale for you guys? Uh, It did it for me. It was a lot. And y'all have no idea the amount of self-control it took to not... It's been a while... (laughs) <laughs> when you said it <laughs> i love that they're still doing it oh it's yeah that's never gonna happen it's even made its way into exu with a berea dming it so oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome <laughs> but yeah i was um i mean i for i don't know why but i i always assumed oh and just just again i don't know why we even have to put this out here but anybody listening heavy spoilers for everything just i mean All yeah you've had pl- you've had plenty of time to catch up with season or campaign two but we will be spoiling campaign three the cartoon you know all this stuff so just be warned i always knew that molly was going to come back somehow i mean it's kind of how he started coming back from the dead and then he died and then it's like okay i could see him coming back yeah i what? really had my heart set on getting molly back though yeah that's true that's true i do think it's cool that we got almost a friggin final fantasy boss fight at the end of that tell me molly wouldn't be like the perfect like final fantasy character (laughs) and then turning into like this the big bad boss at the end of it oh my goodness when that mini came out (laughs) i'll give it i'll give it to matt and and the team that they work with, because, you know, they do work with a pretty damn good team. The the people who do their minis, spot on. I love it. Oh, it's always phenomenal. Like, that's part of my favorite part of any of the boss fights that they do, or anything that involves a map, is seeing just what they've come up with this time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the maps are... I'm always impressed by maps, because I'm so bad at maps. So, I will well, say... Well, I'm going back... Sorry. I will say the terrain and minis and everything like that that Critical Role has has probably been, like, the biggest thing. People talk about the Matt Mercer effect and how that's a destri- detriment to DMs. I, I technically, I really don't believe that. I will say my biggest detriment as a DM is, like, people who've never played D&D before and they come to my table. And then I just pull out the dry erase that, like, I drew a map on. And they're like, wait, that's where's the 
where's the terrain? Where's the, and I'm like, I don't have that kind of money. Like I've got some minis. I've got a bag of 100 glow in the dark zombies and they're going to represent goblins today because I don't have goblins. <laughs> so it's like, it's imagination time, children. And we're going to pretend that this looks awesome in our heads. See, that's one of the most interesting things to me right now is because every once in a while, I'll go back through and watch the previous campaigns. I am currently about 70, 80 episodes into campaign one, where they're just now getting into the terrain pieces. Whereas before, it's drawing outlines on circles. Hey, this circle's a tree. Mm -hmm. It's yep. just amazing how far they've come. And now with the whole interactive set, it's just... Well, I mean, I think that's, and this is going to kind of touch on some of the stuff that's been kind of swirling around Twitter. But, you know, when they just started out, they were just normal people. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Everybody thinks that they were, you know, because they are successful voice actors. But what does that mean? Does that mean they're getting millions of dollars because of all their voice acting work? Wait, does that just mean that they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars for their voice acting work? No. They didn't get paid that much. It means they're <laughs> making a decent living. <laughs> right. So, you know, they had paper. They had whiteboards. They they wrote... They, even when they went on to uh, Geek and Sundry, they still used the same stuff. Because, I mean, I think it when they first got in there, it was just kind of like a proof of concept kind of thing. It was like, we're trying to see if this works. Yeah, yeah. Once they started getting the minis, once they started getting the, the terrain... Not to mention, I mean, once they started spending money, I'm not sure the trains. I'm sure the train and the minis weren't the first thing they spent money on. I'm sure oh, it was. No. Oh, we need cameras. We need microphones. We need this this table. We need. Oh, they they definitely needed cameras and microphones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bless their hearts. Oh man, Wait. the audio issues in campaign one. Yeah, I mean, funny, funny, but yeah, but yeah. So so yeah, it well, and then you know take into account that they are getting sponsored by Wormwood. They're getting sponsored by Dwarven Forge, you know? Dwarven Forge and Wormwood are probably just throwing shit at them at this point, you know? Because oh, yeah. how many people are buying their stuff now because they see it on Critical Role? I know it Wormwood, a... like, it blew up after oh. Critical Role. I mean, Dwarven Forge, I think, was already the biggest name in terrain, um, which is still well, yeah. not saying a whole lot because, like, terrain i think still blew up after critical role so i still think it was still big but wormwood i think was kind of a, even in the D, D gaming community was still kind of niche before really? yeah i mean like once again i think for what it was they were probably still the biggest name in it but like not a whole lot of people were looking for those type of accessories and those type of tables it was considered like a super luxury product um mm, and okay, now it's it's like a common thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still can't afford their stuff, but, you know. I was going to say, it's still pretty luxury to me, but <laughs> I still remember before I even knew Critical Role, I would go to PAX South because I like video games. Um, and I would see their booth and look at their stuff and be like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. So pretty. But, oh my gosh, is that my mortgage for a table? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time I see that stuff, it's like, okay, who do I have to... Uh, perform a ZJ on to get one of these these little trays with that I can roll my dice in. And uh, yeah. well, let me clarify that a lot of that stuff is still one hundred percent luxury items that most gamers can't afford. But I, I have seen 
a whole lot more gamers pull out like the hex chest for like their dice now. Uh, yeah. They're like getting the more affordable stuff from Wormwood that a lot of people weren't even looking at before Critical Role and now people are just at least going to the website and seeing what they can afford and getting something from them. Yeah, I just kind of hope that eventually they, you know, they get all this money from cuz you know, it's cool that people with money are actually using it to invest in gaming now because more product. But I hope that them making more money, they get talked into making some more affordable products. Oh yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Wormwood alone, they used to have like two or three models of table and they were all like the higher end. And now that there's like a bunch of different models you can get. And like, I think some of the lower ends are only like a hundred, 200 bucks. Um, like for like the very basic tables, I might be completely making that up. That's um, not bad for a table. Not yeah. bad for a table. Uh, but they definitely have way more models and they have definitely made some at the more affordable end. Um, of course they don't look all that fancy and they don't have all the features, but like, it's a, just a basic flat top table where you can pull off the top and now there's a, a tray underneath for you to game in. So Meg, remember how we said there's not really a format to a podcast? Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like critical roles, like the centerpiece to our buffet table. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I kind of figured. <laughs> They're called bunny trails. We're quite familiar with them. <laughs> oh man, I just realized it's like holy shit. We just definitely hopped down this bunny trail. <laughs> oh man. So dry erase boards to gaming tables. Right. Yeah. So cool though. I mean, oh well, yeah. You want to talk about like you know their upgrade? You know they just had. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. Their whole setup is beautiful. And that gaming table they have. Now, I don't know how practical that would be in a home setting, but for a production standpoint where they're filming and recording, oh my god, it's perfect. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was really sad when they had to go to the COVID format because they weren't able to use that table anymore. That original Wormwood with the CR logo. But this Mm -hmm. new one... I didn't know it could be outdone. And the fact that the CR table made it into the animated series. Yes, yes, which was great. Which was great. You know, and a lot of people who probably haven't seen their uh, game, their Let's Plays or whatever you want to call them, their live plays, they probably didn't make the connection. But you could still look at that table and be like, that's a badass table. Yeah. I could guarantee you that those of us who did not watch the live plays did not make that connection, because I didn't. There are a lot of things they included in the animated series that were for the people who went through and watched the original campaign. Like, in Grayskull Keep, all the banners with cows on them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Since we got to miss that arc. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, and then the guards playing D&D. That was cute. I like... So, okay, so you've been watching some of the uh, episode... Oh, like, episode... Bleh, the Campaign 1 stuff. I haven't had a chance to still catch up on Campaign 1. But what do you think of the creative differences that they've made in between the the live play of Campaign 1 and the cartoon Legend of Ox Machina? I really think they executed it well. 
-hmm. There are a few details here and there that were changed from the show to, well, from the stream to the show, excuse me. But the changes were made in a way that it did help push the narrative. I don't know how much y'all want me spoiling since y'all haven't finished watching it yet. Go, go ahead. I, Full spoilers. I finished. I finished and he doesn't mind spoilers. So, for example, in the Briarwood fight, in the original stream, Keyleth isn't the one to go down. It's Vex. And so you have Vax carrying his sister oh. as opposed to carrying Keyleth out. Which pushes that narrative of romance between him and her. And everybody says that it went so fast in Legends of Vox Machina that that mm. romance felt forced. It lined up. That's yeah. what's wild is I thought that at first, but it actually lined up with the timeline of events. The only thing that happened early was the kiss that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm in love with you. Right. Mm -hmm. Was actually the next episode after gotcha. as opposed to the one where Pike shows up. But gotcha. I did like Keyleth's reaction of what now <laughs> that was much more. It was, it was very Keyleth. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I knew that they kind of made some differences. I wasn't hundred percent sure how, different they made them but i like knowing that it was the the narr they they did it for the narrative you know because obviously going from a tabletop and seeing things visually it's it's a different beast oh absolutely but, and then doing away with an arc uh what are because of I, don't, I don't know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> but it meant we got to see a peek into the before stream storyline which was neat to actually be able to see what happened with Brinsythe. No, oh, like right. that was interesting to me because it was new. I knew how it ended, but I didn't know how they got themselves into it. Right? Yeah, I I wasn't familiar. Like I've read up a little bit on campaign one because I I think I'm fairly certain I'm never going to catch up with with campaign one. So yeah, I wasn't familiar at all with the with the Brimsight stuff. So yeah, it was kind of fun to watch. I mean, even those of us who did watch it, it wasn't part of the story it was just referred to here and there when they talk mm -hmm. about krieg we we knew nothing outside of what they'd shared outside of the story hmm. nice yeah i i really enjoy what they did with the cartoon i'm really excited to see what they're going to do with season two do you have any theories on what did they i mean about i'm it? just i'm just excited to see chroma conclave because basically Campaign one, you can break down into, you've got this small section of intro and messing around. And then the majority of the campaign is heckin' dragons. Heckin' dragons. Heckin' dragons. And then it's, oh, heck, we've got to stop a god. So. Wow. Campaign one got really fucking intense. Oh. <laughs> is that not how all your, how all your long going campaigns end? Fighting a god? I or, mean, or stopping a god. I mean, like the, right. my well, stopping a wannabe god from ascending, even better. My my most recent long going campaign ended with stopping someone from summoning Tiamat. Nice. And it, they could have. Uh, I had written it in like they they could have failed, in which case Tiamat would have shown up, and then they would have had to fight Tiamat. Um, well, you're. Let's just say you're a much better DM than I know. You're a much better DM than the one I knew in the 80s. Okay. You know, the one that forced his players to yeah. fight Tiamat on the first campaign, the first 
first fucking sit through. Yeah. Hey, you're level two. Um, I know you. I made your character sheets for you because you don't know how to make characters. So here's all your character sheets. By the way, here's Tiamat. <laughs> it's, in case anybody's wondering, we're talking about the D and D cartoon from the eighties. <laughs> Where? Oh yeah. Oh, which by the way, uh, I'm going to make this a guild a guild decree. You ready? Go completely, uh, completely unrelated to uh, Critical Role. The D&D cartoon from the 80s is an isekai. Guild Decree. Guild Decree. It 100% is. I mean, like, it, I, don't it, even, I don't even think that needs to be a Guild Decree, but, like, go we are for it. We are confirming it. If we're the first people to say it, then we're the first people to say it. If Big Bird's a kaiju... Which he is. <laughs> he is. Big Dungeons Bird is a kaiju. Dungeons and Dragons is an isekai. So, there. Which, by the so, way, I mean, I know this is a tangent to end all tangents, oh, but no. like Dungeons and Dragons, the 80s cartoon, I mean, they have the kids sucked into the game by riding a Dungeons and Dragons roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not actually playing the game. They've never played the game before. Like, how far removed did that really need to be? Like, they couldn't have made it to where, like, oh, look at this cool dice I found that has this weird things on it. Let me roll it. Oh, no, I'm being sucked into the game. No, they had to put him on a roller coaster? That's how it works. Uh, that, that said, let me bring it back. I have an idea for campaign four. I think I know. I think you know where this is going. You ready? The Critical Role gang goes to somewhere. Disneyland, probably, because I always see them going to Disneyland. They get on It's a Small, Small World. When they pop out of the other side, they're in Exandria. Boom. They get isekai'd. They get isekai'd into Matt Mercer's world. <laughs> that means Plot- Matt's stuck in there, too. Which- no, no. Plot twist. Matt's the one that got him stuck in there. Plot and twist. And here I was thinking that he'd have to, you know... He made the bed, now he gets to lay in it sort of situation. <laughs> Plot twist, every NPC looks like they were made on a character creator, starting with the default of Matt Mercer. <laughs> yes, that's the winner. Let me see Marion Lavore right now. I'm not going anywhere until she's here. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about her having Mercer's face, though. <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, that is actually one of my favorite parts of the cartoon was seeing Matt Mercer pop up in every episode as someone doing a different job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say you say you see them going to Disneyland all the time instead of hidden Mickeys, it's hidden Mercers. We started hidden calling Mer- them NPCs because it's oh. the Matt Player character. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's nice. fantastic. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> And it still just amazes me to think that this started as a birthday gift for Liam. Yep. And it's come to Amazon paying Sam Regal to sing about beads. Which, which, by the way, uh, no, I'm sure no one listening to this knows. So I play Seven Days to Die on Twitch. <laughs> and Cosplay Mag just happened to be in chat while we were getting all this started and we needed a seed name for the world. What what was that? What was that seed name again there, Mick? Pull my beads of love. Yeah. I still st- need to test it, because that seemed like a pretty good starting point. It was great. I mean well, I mean what? The first first You had two chem station schematics <laughs> on the first play. I just 
Yeah, first, well, first day. First day I had it because we were started out in that little town. We got them. We took off out of there. We raided a couple houses and got the schematics and took off out of there. Yeah, and you know what? We're still playing on that on that seed to this day, and it's it's pretty baller. We've got some pretty nice stuff. Fantastic. Yep, so. <laughs> I want to hear a full song of that, by the way. I, I don't know if Sam Regal's working on turning all of those songs into full songs and releasing them, but... Apparently, there there is a soundtrack. I have not looked into it, mm-hmm. because when I first heard about the soundtrack, it was released before all of the episodes came out, so I didn't want... Well... Spoilers for details, since you know you know where the like we all we already knew where the story was going. Right. But I don't know if they're full songs. There is. They used it for an end credits. I think there's more to it. There is. There is a soundtrack. Is Legend of Vox Machina Amazon original series, but like Scanlan's love song gets eleven seconds. Um, Oh well, that's the that's the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's the the my lady's rose. I will pluck. That's why it's eleven seconds. Well, my beads of love is a minute twenty five. I mean, I kind of want like more, a but me, it's not like a three minute song, but a minute twenty five. Like that's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Considering that we only saw sm- a smash cut between that and fighting, right. Oh uh, yeah, it looks like uh, most of the stuff is just his like, maybe not his sound bites from the the show, but they're like sixteen seconds here, fifteen seconds oh. there. So just you know, like um, oh, I just saw it. I'm sorry, good lord, where did you go? Navash Navan, Navash Navan is a twelve second uh, clip. Okay, now I'm kind of glad I didn't look into the soundtrack because I feel like this is a bit of a letdown. <laughs> I mean, there if are... I don't have enough content from them as is, why don't I get full songs? I mean, now, Sam be... Sam himself, I think, works overtime already. I mean, like, he's got to be making that. new uh, sponsor promos every week. And... <laughs> the new closing title for the new talk show. Oh, did he do that? It's kind of, it, I mean, it's his voice. Oh, I don't know I if just... he wrote it, but he's performing it. Probably. It, it, he probably wrote it. I don't, I don't know how that man does it, but. It's surprisingly hype. Like for a closing credit scene, it's I enjoyed it. Well, let's let's see. Uh, we don't get dinged for playing. Well, no, yeah, we probably would. Yeah, let's not it's worry not, about not DCMA up in here. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I like testing things though. Okay, push those boundaries. If it, <laughs> look, here's here's where we get around that by being hosted on anchor uh which by the way if you're thinking about starting a podcast you can host on anchor.fm they're they're pretty awesome and it's free but spotify owns anchor.fm so if it's something that's on spotify we can play it Hmm. now i'm curious it's only been two days so i don't know if they would have it on yet but if it's not on spotify we can't but if it's on spotify we can play it okay all right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right, Rick. Okay. Rick, All okay. Right. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and they don't update Spotify until the following week anyway. On oh, really? Their, on their podcast release schedule. Got it. So it's not up there yet. It's only up to EXU Climal Part 1, which aired a week ago today. All right. But what if I just put Sam Regal? That's enough. Okay. 
<laughs> I was like, and the Ooh. first thing up is pull my beads of love. Yep, and the last one is as you are, as it should be. Nope. Well, there no, is it's Seymour. Uh huh. And it's the rest of the album. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's just that. Uh, his uh, Scanlan stuff. That's cool though. Oh, these guys. These guys. I mean, it doesn't ever give me any kind of hope of being as amazingly successful as they are, but uh, they they definitely hopped in at the ground floor of 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 that format. Yeah. They just... I know there were other groups out there, and Lord help me, I can't remember who they are at the top of my head. I would there give it other, to uh, there Penny were, Arcade for starting it. Yes, that's, that's who it is. Penny Arcade. Acquisitions they were, Incorporated. Were they there before? Before I mean, Critical I, Role? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. They okay, they were cool, doing cool, cool, cool. they were doing live games at conventions before uh Critical. And that's because they started they started the D&D podcast back in 4th edition. Oh, um Christ. where uh one of the main members of Penny Arcade, I forget which one, um had never played D&D before. So the other member of Penny Arcade grabbed Chris Perkins and was like, hey, come teach my friend how to play D&D. And they started a podcast. I want that power. Yeah. I want that power. <laughs> and then they basically started from, from session one recording it and made a podcast called Acquisitions Incorporated. And then that podcast became a YouTube show, became live games at a convention. And like it's still a podcast that's still running till today so i mean like if you want to talk about a lot to catch up on uh (laughs) right damn oh one of the streamers i follow not a not well DD adjacent streamer basically he does he makes he's a leather worker but he does maps and he also will carve maps in leather but the other day he had acquisitions like he's a few streams he keeps acquisitions incorporated going in the back that was my first introduction to it i actually fell into the DD podcast storyline with the balance arc of the adventure zone before i even knew what anything was i was road tripping to san diego for san diego comic-con with a friend she insisted on driving and i'm perfectly fine with that and she had the balance arc going so i got episodes here and there when i wasn't sleeping (laughs) <laughs> and I actually was into Taz before I knew what Critical Role was. Nice. But yeah, there. I mean, there's definitely, you know, I know we're here talking about Critical Role, but anybody listening, just bear in mind, there are many other people out here doing the same thing who are immensely talented and entertaining. Uh, just real fun to listen to. I know I'm guilty of really only listening to the big two. Big two meaning Critical Role and uh, Dimension 20. Gotcha. Uh, they, they are, you know, Dimension 20 had the money to back them up, so they didn't have to be doing this for a really long time to get big. That does nothing to take away from the talent and entertainment value of that podcast. They are all extremely funny improv artists. And as far as I know, I think they all played D&D before this. I think so. I, but I think Brennan got Murph into it. I don't think Murph played before. That's Speaking- one that's on my list. I need to get into Dimension 20. I will say that the biggest draw of Dimension 20 is that their episodes are shorter. Mm-hmm. So 
They're like two to three hours long. And Brendan Lee Mulligan is just a fantastic dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody talks about the Mercer effect. You got to watch out for that, you know, Lee Mulligan effect. <laughs> okay. I know it's called the Brennan effect, but you leave me alone. I'm using last names. Consistency is key. That's right. Yeah. He, he is, he's amazing. And, um, the, the things that he turns into games, I don't see how he can do it. <laughs> I'll it's, say it's, the Perkins effect is what affected his what affected me as a DM the most from Acquisitions mm-hmm. Incorporated because Chris Perkins as a DM his players are always like can we do this and he's like fuck it why not <laughs> like to literally anything like to the point where uh, Patrick Rothfuss has an entire character built around swinging off chandeliers like that's his entire character is built around how well he can swing off chandeliers. Like, Chris Perkins gives him an advantage on the roll if he's swinging off a chandelier, regardless of what what he's trying to do. Like, I can see now him trying to swing off a chandelier, but he's doing a lore check. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, it's written on his character sheet that he is proficient in chandelier. Like, it's, it's so, like, now, I mean, like, most of the things my characters want to try, like, when I'm DMing, I'm just like, yeah, sure, why not? Fuck it. Make, give me a the- roll. <laughs> I'm not to that point yet. I'm trying real hard to be to that point, but I'm not to that point yet. <laughs> what, the point of, you can certainly try? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I'm yeah. closer to the, you can try, instead of the whole, yeah, fuck it, do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would... Yes, you can. I would never say that, ever. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> For those who can't see the video, I'm holding up a mug that literally says, you can certainly try across the front of it, that my wife custom ordered for me. <laughs> it's a beautiful mug. Thank you. So, uh, Meg, I would imagine, given your name, you're into cosplay? Am I off base there? Surprisingly enough, you hit the nail on the head. Yes. <laughs> so, point for Baron. <laughs> who's your, who's your, let, let's keep it to, like, critical. Please don't role. make me pick a favorite. No, no, no. See, let us explain to you how favorites work in this guild. When we say, <laughs> when we say, what's your favorite? It always gets narrowed down to like three. Now, those three things are generally like for different reasons. So like, let's just say you have one favorite because it's the most comfortable. One favorite because it's the most fun. And one favorite because, uh, I don't know. It is, lets you do backflips in it. I don't know. <laughs> So, Wait, these are supposed to be comfortable? I've been building all wrong for years. <laughs> oh, I th- I always thought that they were supposed to be comfortable, but that's probably why my cosplay sucks. So, <laughs> I think I've only ever had one cosplay that I've found to be comfortable, and that was Waldo. Oh, <laughs> nice. So, I mean, if you're making me pick three, I'm going to push that and do four, because I've done multiple versions, but it boils down to four characters so far. <laughs> so... Four is fine. Um, Yeah, I will say, let's just even keep it, since we're talking about Critical Role and we've been so strict with the format here, (laughs) why don't we just keep the, like, you know, who are your your favorite Critical Role characters to cosplay? Oh, that's what I thought the question was. That's what I mean. I narrowed it down to the four that I, the four characters. Oh, nice. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Way ahead of my game there. (laughs) I mean, yeah. 
I can't I can't just always assume that people are going to assume that they know what I'm talking about. Anyways. Oh no, answering like trying to pick a top three out of everything I've done, that we'd we'd be here for hours. Because I won't be able to give you an answer there. We'll, we'll that, talk about that on one. the cosplay episode. Oh yeah. We do we are gonna have one. Yeah. Well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like you said, favorites are favorites for all different reasons. Exactly, yeah. Like, uh, the first Critical Role cosplay I ever did, I started piecing it together and then decided when a friend invited me to go to Ren Fair the day before. As we do. That that's when I was going to finish it. So, oh. you know, my 10-foot mantle of the Tempest for my first version of Keyleth, 10 feet of leaves. I, 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 I yeah, I, was... I started about 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon and wore it Saturday morning. Jeez. I was going to make the joke that it was uh, the Molly coat that you were working on, but I'm I'm equally as impressed with with the leaves. I haven't done a Molly coat. No, oh, been... I, I was thinking of the most complicated costume oh, piece I could think of. Fair. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, I I saw into the future. No, that one Molly. is not on my list because Eesh. I've got the Winter Yasha embroidery already on my Ooh, list I would that I need to do. Winter Yasha. I've got okay. everything but the embroidery on the coat. Oh, lovely, um, Yasha. What a what a what a creature Yasha is. Uh, Love it. I yeah, but like we said, favorites are favorites for a reason. Keyleth was my first because I could relate to her. As a character, like I was raised in a very particular type of household and then getting out into the world and realizing that that's not how things work. <laughs> it's a lot of cluelessness, a lot of learning, a lot of hurt. But at the same time, I, I feel like if I had to pick of the characters that we've seen thus far in Critical Role, Keyleth would be my comfort character. Oh, because. Yeah. Nice. Because she may be a bumbling idiot sometimes, as we saw in the show, which was fantastic how they used her not knowing her spells, how they incorporated that. Because, yes, let's let's use call lightning on a blue dragon. Right. Because that's going to go well. <laughs> um, so it was relatable. The next one I did, I did... Uh, I So my Keyleth was basically my idea of what she would look like. It was not based on any specific canon reference, but I, you know, we mentioned how this was critical role specific cosplay. I do a lot of Star Wars. I focus on screen accurate Star Wars cosplay and have now delved into these, the art accurate critical role cosplay. So my level 20 Vexalia from campaign one with the dragon armor and the coat, I just feel regal. Sam regal. No, mm. <laughs> wow. I feel like that's the like making that connection is so not Sam. Yeah, <laughs> because Sam is irreverent as hell. He is not. I would not consider Sam Regal to be Regal. Regal. That's why it's so um, different. We shall now pronounce it Rigal from now on. No. <laughs> but just going with all the armor and a white suede coat. It's it's a whole mood. It is. So like um, it, yeah, she, it, she it, is low, low key a fashionista. Yeah, like why, why did they depict? Why did they depict most of these people in heels? Like the fair. winter Yasha art. Why is she in battle wedges? Heels are unnecessary when you're six feet tall. Well, yeah, yeah, and eh. I, wouldn't, 
I, w I wouldn't imagine considering where, well, maybe it was like one of those, like where Yasha was from. Maybe she couldn't, because I can't see anybody wearing heels in that environment. Maybe she was just out and about. No, she's in the winter, though. Why would she wear... You know what? I'm tearing apart my argument as I say it. Yeah, that's the struggle there. The so answer we're going is out the, aesthetics. Yeah, like we're, going out, we're going out in the deep snow. What kind of shoes do you want? Uh, the pointy ones. That's that's not how snow works. <laughs> maybe, that's, that's not maybe how any of this works. using it to check to see how deep the snow is with each step. Right. It could be. You never know. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But moving on to Yasha specifically, I just feel like a powerful badass in that. Like, making the the level 10 bodysuit with all the strappy bits and the leggings with the cutouts. Because after my Keyleth, I've made the majority of my pieces for Critical Role cosplay. So trying to do those patchwork piece together leggings, good times. <laughs> but it makes me feel powerful. And then the fourth one that I have done, well, the fourth character, I've done multiple versions of Keyleth and multiple versions of Yasha at this point. I did the jester art from the Vox Machina versus Mighty Nine one shot where it's all the post-apocalyptic look. Nobody asked for a six foot three jester because in those shoes, that's how tall I am. <laughs> but gosh darn it, you're getting it. That's right. You deserve every bit of it. And it gave me an excuse to make the giant lollipop. That's fair. Everybody needs an excuse to make a giant lollipop. Oh, yeah. Pro tip, don't use pool noodles. They're a pain. Oh, that would have been exactly what I used, too. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I could have done it better. But again, I did that build in about two weeks. I have a really bad habit of making these elaborate plans. And then all of a sudden deciding, oh, I'm going to do this for this arbitrary date that really doesn't make a difference. And yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> been there. But fortunately, at least with the jester, there wasn't a lot of sewing involved. It was just like the arm wraps and making the little armor bits. The rest was uh, pieced together from parts I found online. Nice. Not oh, going yeah. to mention the name of the website, but we all know what website it is. <laughs> they have everything. That's <laughs> uh, so easy, though. Oh, oh, I know. That's why it's so dangerous. That's where I get most of my crafting supplies. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the bonuses is they're, you know, doing Legend of Vox Machina, so yay. That is true. <laughs> Small perks. Small perks. Small perks. <laughs> it's like, I want to hate you so much, but you give me all the things I love. Basically, yes. It means well, I don't have to deal with people here. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also they were, ugh, so it just makes me sick saying, but they were integral to surviving the pandemic. This is true. But, you know, fuck your workers who helped you make all that money. Hmm. Whatever. I could go yeah, on and on. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to dive into that one. I could go on the... and on. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So mad. But great supplier <laughs> for all the random bits and bobs I end up using. Yay. Hey. Speaking of something that might help, that helped me through the uh, pandemic and might help you relax in the future. Check out our affiliate uh, Geeky Clean, where you can get a Vox Bathina collection, a dice bomb collection themed after everyone's favorite nerdy voice actors who play Dungeons and Dragons. This set includes a dice bomb for each player character and a storyteller dice bomb and a bath bomb themed after Trinket and a limited edition vegan leather dice scroll featuring a winged 20, D20 dice design. 
That's a total of nine bath bombs, eight full sets of dice, and a dice scroll. Get 10% off with our link or discount code Guild Decree. Buyer beware, the trinket bath bomb bursts into a full-grown brown bear. <laughs> but think of the cuddles. I'm thinking of that bear bursting out of the bath bomb and smearing me into the bathtub. <laughs> See, I have one of those really big oversized tubs. I bought a tub and the house came with it. So I'm like, well, it's always said the trinket's on the small end of size for a brown bear. So, like, it could work. And here I am with just a regular apartment-sized bathtub. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we don't need a bear in there. <laughs> just full-grown bear. Well, in all serious though, the, the trinket bath bomb is adorable. It's like a purple puck with like a brown bear painted on it. It's it's adorable. So it's like he's in Raven's slumber and you do. The... Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> it, uh, their stuff is good. We, we've talked. Oh, we're not going to turn this as, into a geeky as, thing. But hold on. Know. Actually, we, we are because hold on, because I've never watched campaign one. And Geeky Clean isn't, like, officially sponsored by Critical Role or anything like that. So, like, all their stuff is, like, they don't actually tell you what it is. Um, but if you're a fan, oh. <laughs> you would know. So I'm going to go down the names of the bath bombs for each character. <laughs> and you guys are going to tell me who they actually represent. Okay? Oh, okay. Right. Here we go. All right. all right. So the first one is the Bad News Dice Bomb. Oh. That's Percy. Percy, yeah. Okay. The second one is Rage Time. Grog. Uh, the third one is Huntress. Vex? Vex. Okay. I get Obviously, I get those two mixed up. The next one is Maestro of Music. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> then we have the Monsta Dice Bomb. Pike! Why? Oh, wait. I'm, She's I'm, a monster! Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's one of the things between Ashley and Travis on the, show, on okay. the stream. All right. You're uh, a monster. I'm a monster. <laughs> the Raven's champion dice bomb. Okay. Vax. Uh, oh, the storm's yeah. voice dice bomb. That's Keyleth. Voice of the Tempest. Oh, okay. And the companion bath bomb. Yeah, buddy. Mm -hmm. And then Those of are course, cute. and then of course we get the storyteller and the uh, the vegan leather dice scroll. Nice. Very nice. That's one of the things that I've always had the setup to make. And I'm just like, everybody else is doing it. I can't. <laughs> so you, just we were just talking about Pike and Grog. And I'll, I'll have to say that relationship was so fucking cute. I loved it. Loved it. So cute. So wholesome. You know, two best friends. It, it, it's, it's really rare nowadays to see a relationship between a you know, man and a woman and have it be completely wholesome, completely platonic, best of friends, good buddies. Now, in campaign three, <laughs> the weirdest shit ever. Oh, it's like, I feel like I should relate so much to, to Chetney. <laughs> I feel like I should. But I think it hurts too much to relate to Chetney. But then I mean, that's kind of how I feel being a Keyless stand. Right. It hurts. Uh, but but then that that little I don't can you call it a romance? A flirtation? Dalliance? Uh, uh not a, quite. A tease? I mean, is she teasing? I don't even know if she's making fun of him. Is she being serious? 
But yeah, between him and Fern, the shortest person in the group and the tallest person in the group. It's always the short guys. <laughs> oh god, I need to do it. I Can need to confirm. do it. I need to do a Chetney cosplay. See, I couldn't pick on campaign three, so I have all my supplies and such for Fern, Laudna, and Imogen. So, nice. because, oops. <laughs> now, no, talking I... about the friendships, for me, campaign one, it's between Travis and Ashley and Talison and Marisha. Like the... I. It's been a little subtle for me. I may not have caught it up. It gets... I... Okay, I, I think I am not caught up to the last two episodes, though. No, oh, I meant I meant campaign one. I meant campaign one. Oh, Allison and Marisha in campaign yes, one, which yes. then translated into Keyleth to Percy. Right, but Percy? campaign one, yeah, not relationship. Oh, buddy, buddy, just buddies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I haven't. Yeah, like I said, I haven't really had a chance to really watch that stuff. So it I... takes a lot. It's a lot to get through it, especially like we mentioned those audio issues. Yep. And, and, you know, getting, I've mentioned this in the first podcast of the, it's it getting through those first, what is it, 25 episodes? 27. 27? Yeah. I Not mean, that I've counted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the issue personally. Obviously, I wasn't there. Obviously, I don't know a lot of the background stuff. But you can definitely tell how awkward those first 27 episodes were. So, Yeah. And I think I always want to try to be a purist and watch them all the way through, and I can't make it past, like, episode, like, 10 or something like that. That is not an uncommon thing. Like, there yeah. are a lot of people who are like, I would get into campaign one, but I can't stand this. Mm -hmm. And that's... So, honestly, people will skip the, uh... Where are they? Uthadurn? Uthadurn, I think, is where... Craghammer! Uh... Craghammer! Is it, it's oh, the Craghammer mm, arc. Is it Craghammer? Because I know yes, he's because there in the beginning of it. Because the first episode is Arrival at Craghammer. Campaign 1, Episode 1, Arrival at Craghammer. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. So you skip that arc and start with the Briarwoods. Oh, and okay. And that's what people do. Okay. I might do so, that. Yeah, so it's not... I mean, you're not missing anything too crucial. I mean, it's great storytelling, crazy fights... Get out by the skin of your teeth. Mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> but it really starts getting into the characters with the Briarwood arc. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think I might do that. Because I, I do know... Man, I really... Again, I don't know the guy, so I'm not trying to shit on him too terribly much. But he definitely seemed to impede a lot of good role-playing that, that, while he was there. It's like whenever anything cool kind of started to happen, he would walk up and do something dumb. And it's like, come on, man. See, at that point, it just feels like they were a group of people vying for a spotlight. Mm -hmm. Whereas now they're already in it as a whole. So nobody has to. It's not fighting tooth and claw to get the camera on you sort of situation. It's right. cohesive. Right, yeah. It's not only have they been friends for a while, but they've been doing this for a while. A couple years, at least. Not to mention, so. even if, like, you do want the spotlight, like, even if you were to, like, I want individually the spotlight, when you know that you're going to be playing and be streaming for four hours at a time, uh, weekly, for a year, 
and you've been playing with Matt Mercer for a while and you know how he shifts the attention, you know that even if right now you're not getting any attention, the spotlight will be on you eventually. He right. does a very good job of that from a fan standpoint of making sure that everybody gets their moment. Okay, even pay- if it's Grog talking to a sword <laughs> in a porta can. I mean, it's no different than Neo Jester talking to a patch of crabgrass. Okay, but we we do not we do not we do not besmirch, besmirch the name of Henry Crabgrass in this. House. That is correct. <laughs> Henry, we scan a king. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. All hail. Anyways, um, <laughs> so fuck, where was I going? I got stuck on Henry Crabgrass now. Bunny trail. That's right. There we go. I, I was down the bunny trail, and I saw a patch of crabgrass. Had to say hi. Fuck, where was I? You were talking Travis and Ashley campaign three is where this ended up dividing. Oh, we were talking about spotlights. Ah. Yes, yes we were. Little, Just a couple turns back then. Right, yeah. Just go back down the bunny trail. Okay. The spotlight, I think... One thing I think that I want to point out about campaign three... My favorite part is actually the spotlight parts is what you were, what we were talking about because they have what I've been noticing are the the campfire talks. The campfire talks like when they're on the trail and stuff and and they've done it before that too but they weren't really campfires but you really notice it when they're on the trail. They'll they'll go on watches but they'll mix up the watches so that you know this person is on a watch with this person this person is on a watch with this person, then the next night it's different people. So they'll sit there by the fire and they'll have a chance to talk with each other and like pull out things from their their story. So good. Major lore drops. So, oh yeah. And then <laughs> the the <laughs> the FCG and uh Imogen talk where they mind melded. <laughs> And then the next day he cast that spell that he gave her access to. And people were like, well, where, why don't we get that? He's like, has to be someone I know real close. You know, maybe if we spend a night together talking around the fire, maybe you can get it too. <laughs> just the whole, the storytelling aspect behind that interaction alone was just. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's been, and like, and there's been times too, like that scene in particular, where it was just like, why can't you motherfuckers roll just a little better, please? Oh, man. But the rolls have been bad this season. Bad. But we, fortunately, at least for me, we did get a good roll on Liam's history check mm-hmm. with Laudna. Yep. Yep. Which is good, because, you know, I think... I needed confirmation, okay? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yep. I think I saw someone mention it. I wish I could remember who it was that I saw it from so I can give them proper credit. But I saw someone post that before all of that. And they're like, oh, I bet you Laudna is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, motherfucker, I think you're right. Yeah, Critical Role like- TikTok was all over that idea at first. I tried to avoid Critical Role TikTok. I don't blame you. <laughs> Just like when I watch them live, I hide the chat. <laughs> well, I had chat, but at least amongst the Critical Role cosplayers, mm-hmm. that's the Critical Role TikTok I'm primarily on. Mm-hmm. Those people are cool. Yeah, I was about to say. They I, I to really enjoy pretty... interacting with most of them. The 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 artists for Critical Role and the um, 
cosplayers for Critical Role all seem to be a good group of people. Um, I actually just got a really... I have a really good friend who I met because she is a uh, Critical Role artist. Um, she actually... You have seen some of her art. It's the uh, the logo for the for the podcast where the, the drawing of Rick and I... Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that, is, that is her. Uh, her name is Astafoles. Or, I'm sorry, Astafoles. Astafoles. I pronounce her name wrong every time. Astafoles. You gotta be doing it on purpose by this point. I think so. Anyways, um, but yeah, I saw, I saw her art on TikTok. And um, she liked, I think she was like, she, she, po- oh, that's what it was. Or she followed me, I think. Anyways, regardless... I saw her art for Critical Role. I was like, well, that's an automatic follow. So I followed her back and then, you know, ended up commissioning some art for her. And yeah, now we're pretty good friends. That's fantastic. I've got yeah. got a handful of people through Critical Role TikTok that I'm just like, yep, you're, you, you are my people. Yep. You are my people. Yes. Yep. Oh, I've, I've definitely followed more than one person because of either a Critical Role cosplay or a critical role piece of art that they've done i mean 100 percent. i i i mean i'm you know and i'm sure that there are jerks in every crowd but for the most part everybody's been cool from again the cosplay crowd and the art crowd it's the I feel like we're the ones who actually remember the tagline of don't forget to love each other yeah 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 it's well, the uh, internet i mean it is the internet and that's the downside mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it makes the world such a much a much smaller place. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> Small world level of I am on a Discord for Critical Role Cosplay TikTok and was talking to somebody on there and apparently I spoke to them at TRF this year because they were one of the vendors and I had no idea that they were a critter. <laughs> that's, that's fun too. I, I think I've talked to a few people where that conversation has kind of popped up and it's like oh yeah uh yeah I, i'd mentioned something about vaguely about critical role not expecting them to know anything about it and they're like oh i watched that it's like what <laughs> so yeah just a wide variety of people that that watch or even consume some of the game material which speaking of i know you didn't play you you said you don't play D, correct i do not that's not my flavor of creativity <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that However, there is a ton of stuff that these guys have been putting out in regards to D&D. A ton. In fact, one of my actually one of my favorite books that they put out is The Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. That is and that, that is chock full of some lore too. But I do have to I do have to say I I appreciate Matt and the writers explicitly not putting in certain things just so people can be like, "Okay, well I'm going to run it this way." Or, you know what I mean? That This is how this section of the world is going to be for me. So, um, I've honestly considered buying those books just for the lore. There's a lot. There's I a know. lot. I, I, in fact, Isilcross is the snow area, right? Yes. So I got the book before they went to Isilcross in um, Campaign, campaign two. 2. And uh, I saw that area and I'm like, oh, that would be a really cool place <laughs> To maybe put something because I've never heard of them going there. So why don't I just do something there? <laughs> if these motherfuckers are like, all right, let's get our coats on. We're going up north. <laughs> Damn it. 
Now I know everything that's up there. Look, I don't even watch the show, and I'm I'm gonna be buying the newest book just for the Leonin. Like I I want that playable race in my campaign. Okay, I mean I'm not. You know what? No, go ahead. I mean that, but that was it. Okay. I'm not going to tell you that they're already in the uh, Theros book, but is is it like the same thing? The Lion People. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have either of those books, so I'll buy one of them to get the Leonin. Perfect. I I had to get the Theros book because I'm you know huge Greek mythology oh, yeah. person, and the Satyr race was in there. Which, oh my God, the Satyrs are so fucking hard for Bard. Hard for Bard. <laughs> Put it on a shirt. I was gonna say that's a tagline. <laughs> Baron Kane, hard for Bard. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This ranks right up there with having a bear in your bathtub. Yeah. Again, I just see my death, but, you know, whatever. I can't remember the last time I had a bath where there wasn't a bear in my bathtub. Uh, eh. That's more what I was getting uh, at. Uh, I'm dumb. No. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and then they and then they just did the... the oh, man, now I forgot the name of the... Call of the Netherdeep? Well, they did Call of the Netherdeep and then Taldori Reborn. Oh, which where I we get post campaign? Get... Oh, what so bad, so bad. I want it. <laughs> um, is it out now? I believe so. Yeah, because the art wasn't released online until I started seeing pictures of book and when the voice actors were posting their own character stuff. I don't think they did that until after it was released. Gotcha. Do they say who's on the Taldori Council? Yes. Well, Matt came, Matt said that in... Oh, he said the, he said everybody? Yeah, in the campaign I 2 wrap-up. Did I miss it? Oh, in it the wrap-up. I didn't in watch the wrap-up. Wrap Fuck. Yeah, the round table. Yeah. Who's, on, who's on the council? I mean, Vex is coin mistress. That's all I cared about. Oh, that's, that's right. That's what I needed. No, you know what? I do remember that. I think there were people I didn't recognize, though. I do know... Oh, there are a lot of people I didn't recognize. But that's the reason when I'm in my level 20 Vex, one of the things we do at Critter Cosplay Meetups is we all have little keys that we hand out. Like with Keyleth, I gave out little plastic fish, which once you get later on in campaign one, that will make a lot more sense. I hope um, they do that in the cartoon. I know I will be so sad if they don't. <laughs> or Yasha, I resin printed little symbols of the Storm Lord. With Vex, Aww. I carry around little gold coins. Because yeah. what's more out of character for Vex than giving away money? It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> But it so, gave me an excuse to make a cute little bag for them, so. Yes, always, always a, <clears throat> it's always a good thing to find an excuse to make cute little bags. But here's a question. I know I we were I had the Legend of Ox of Machina in my brain, and then you brought up Yasha. Do you think that they're going to do a season two of Vox Machina? Or do you think that the season two of the cartoon will be like a Mighty Nine thing? Campaign two is 100% going to be Vox Machina. Yeah. That's the Kickstarter was raised for two seasons of, of the Legend of Vox specific. Machina. Okay. Plus, you cannot leave on that cliffhanger of coma of the coming of the Chroma Conclave. <laughs> That's just cruel. I mean, yeah, it would be definitely. But Amazon would be stupid to look at the success of that cartoon and not immediately like try to get some rights to in there the rest too. of it. Oh yeah, yeah no, I will 100% not argue for an animated version of Mighty Nine. Like... I am I am here 
for an animated version of the Mighty Nine, specifically for the cupcake scene. That's a good that or um the bathhouse with Veth looking like who who or not looking like a who was she at the time? Was she a tiny Ford or was she a tiny Ford? <laughs> Ford. She was a tiny Ford. Ford. But it'll oh, be interesting man. to see, especially because everything was animated except for, like, the dragons, which they CGI'd. Right. How on earth are they going to animate Molly Mock's coat? <gasps> Very carefully. Very carefully. I feel bad for those animators. <laughs> I mean, Taliesin has admitted that he does these designs to piss us cosplayers off. Like, he has specifically said... Oh, cosplayers are going to hate this. And then comes up with Ashton with crystal hair and a hole in his head. Uh, yeah, Ashton. I I have, I haven't gone to look, but I haven't seen any Ashton cosplays yet. Oh, I've seen a few. I have seen, seen several, and have some you? of them are very well done. Oh, you cosplayers, man. Fucking wizards. I'm telling you. <laughs> Shape changers. I'm alerting the church. I mean, I I am self-admittedly a shapeshifter. That I am fine with. But I'm just a geek with a sewing machine. I don't know what I'm doing. I just act like it. <laughs> I throw fabric at a sewing machine and suddenly it comes out with something wearable. I don't know what happens in between. <laughs> nice. Oh man, that Oh, I so just just to let everybody know what I'm doing. I actually obviously googled the Ashton cosplayers and um Holy crap, the first one I saw is a, uh, it's labeled as a test Ashton, and I kind of want to uh, email this person and be like, how dare you call that a test? How dare you? <laughs> That's a mood. I see a lot of people, oh, just cost testing. I'm like, that is a completed costume. Mm -hmm. That is no longer in the test phase. You have executed your plan. <laughs> Yeah, but it's at like, the same time, if that's a test can also mean the first time doing the makeup, because with Ashton, it's a body paint. Yeah. Right. If that's the bar, then, like, every single one of my cosplays follows, falls below your test bar. Limbo Loa now. <laughs> but yeah. that's the wonderful thing about cosplay that I'm still trying to get myself to convince to do. Don't compare yourself to other people. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. in it to have fun. Yeah, But that's, that's for y'all's cosplay episode. <laughs> that's right and we will save it oh someone fan casted ashton and they have a very young matthew lillard from slc punk as a uh as ashton i can see it oh yeah although definitely. you say young and i immediately think hackers yeah i mean it's not that far away from that nah, era, it's, not but... too, it's not too far off oh now i'm down the bunny trail of critical role cosplayers wow crazy there's some really incredible work out there. Just goals all around. Yeah, I would I would love to be... I would say that, yes, I could absolutely be good at cosplaying if I had the time to practice my skill <laughs> at sewing. And I, I think I'm okay at makeup. I, I think I'm... Honestly, I think I'm okay at makeup. But it's the... Ugh, the it's sewing. the making. Ugh. So, so Baron, given that none of those walls all of a sudden magically are there, the the time, the money, the skill, uh, which critical role character are you cosplaying? Okay. Now, I already said, so I'll choose somebody else, but my first my first one is Chetney. Mm -hmm. I would I would totally cosplay Chetney. 
In fact, I don't think Chetney would be actually all that hard to do. I think Chetney would be somewhat easy to do. Okay, then, um, then you should do it. Just saying. There are even knit patterns out for the hat. <gasps> nice. I, I specifically want the hat. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and you know what? And I can't think right off the top of my head who it would be, but I know, I know that I was watching some episodes and it was an NPC that popped up that I was like, you know what? I would love to cosplay that guy. And Lord, I can't remember. I feel like you would do a really good Pumat soul. Oh, yeah, I would do... Is that who I was thinking of? No, probably not. But I would love to do a Pumat Soul. Would love it. That that would be that would be the real test. I think I could do a Chetney easily. Right. Like, because that's just, you know, if I don't mess with any of the werewolf stuff, I just put on some clothes, I'm good to go. The Pumat Maybe Soul Maybe a big angry be... nose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big angry nose, I could do that. That would actually probably... Because, you know, if you're going to cosplay a dwarf or a uh, gnome, that's the, you know, the big... The gnarled. oversized features. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, in the in the ears and stuff. But I think the Pumat soul would definitely be the real test of, like, the costuming and the makeup and the, you know, all that stuff. But, yeah, I don't know if that was exactly the guy I was thinking of, but Pumat soul, you're spot on with that. I would love to do a Pumat soul. I'm trying to think of who else. You have too much hair for Victor. Uh, Victor... The powder merchant from campaign one. The one that Matt did for Halloween that one year. Oh my gosh. The one yeah. who has blown himself up repeatedly and is missing most of his fingers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. No? Well now I'm now it's gonna bug me. Now I wanna figure oh, out. Oh no, who. I'm I am bugged at the moment because I know because I was like super excited. I it was like one of the few things where I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this. And I now have completely forgotten. Do you remember which campaign? It, two. It was two. Definitely know that. But, I mean, I guess this will be the... Uh, if anybody's listening, if you think that you know who would be good for me or Rick to cosplay, just tell us. And we may or may not do it. Because, you know, again, time. <laughs> We're trying to run a guild here, people. We're trying to run a guild. We don't, we don't make people pay dues, so we don't get paid. I still don't have all the pieces to cosplay myself yet. I'm still working on that. Oh yeah, yeah the I know, whole right? cosplaying a functional adult thing is a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> oh, I was I was actually referring to cosplaying the character that uh the, of our art. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> hey, I just need like a blue leather vest and some fishnet. I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Vests aren't terrible to make, fortunately. I've I got one to do a really good pattern. <laughs> nice. I've got the hardest part. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> that is glorious. <laughs> I've got the I got the hat for for the character, so it even has like little like stuff in the bottles that like shakes around and like It's the nice. little details like that. That's what I love mm-hmm. doing with costumes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess if you're if you're going to put a gun to my head, I would say Chetney. Then Chetney would be my number one choice. Yeah, I feel like I you can, don't have to wait for it. the walls to come down for Chetney. I think you could probably do that one now. I'm I'm halfway there already. <laughs> Living on a prayer. That's right. <laughs> uh, what when, I mean, I, I know that we finally get to go to a convention, and and we're at a convention together. 
uh, like I, I'd love to see you in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. I, I will actively start working on it. How about that? Awesome. If anybody wants to fund that, please, you know, let me know. I, I will take your money. That is such a mood. I know, right? I just need a perpetual <laughs> sponsor. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking for. Somebody to fund all of my shenanigans. That's not, that's not unreasonable, I don't think. It's not a big ass. A no. cosplay sugar daddy. Right. That doesn't want too much sugar. No, right. just the cosplays. Just just, just wants pics and vids of you in cosplay. Not out of. In, in, in cosplay. cosplay. In cosplay. In cosplay. <laughs> yep. Not out of. In cosplay. <laughs> the, the number of odd requests I've gotten on that front, I am. I don't even want to know. I don't. I wish I didn't know. I don't even come anywhere close to doing like you know costuming stuff like that, and I get some weird requests. So, yeah. Not. Oh my. Nope. But anyway, critical role. I was gonna say, talk <laughs> about a bunny trail. We did it again. <laughs> Critical Role. <laughs> so as uh. someone who who doesn't watch the show, I, I have to say Critical Role has definitely permeated um, the geek culture in general. I mean, I have a mug that says you can certainly try. I have uh, a Funko Pop of Grog Strongjaw. And I'm not even necessarily a Critical Role fan. I just think it's, it's cool shit. Also... I didn't realize until I started watching the cartoon, but when I, after I moved to Tennessee, the biggest, the first big uh, campaign I started was started because a friend of mine and his wife had been watching Critical Role. They had never played D&D before, and they were like, hey, we really want to play D&D. We would watch Critical Role. We know you're a dungeon master. Let's, let's start a campaign. And I was like, okay, cool. And she made a wood elf druid princess. And he made a half-elf rogue um, that was dedicated to her service. And um, they just, like, bounced off each other all the time. Like, wow, for first-time role players, these guys made some really cool characters. And now I'm watching, like, the cartoon, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a second, I see what you did there. You guys stole these characters wholesale. <laughs> you said it was their first time playing, though? Yeah. So I will say this, as uh, you know, you probably do the same thing as a as a DM. If I have a first time player, if they showed up and they were like, I want to make this artificer and I want him to be a goblin and I want him to have a little robot best friend. Also, his name is Zim. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, fuck it. You know what? If you need that to be able to play this game, to get that inspiration, you know what? Let's do it because you're going to create a character on down the line that you started out with Invader Zim and you're going to make this completely unique character on down the line that is going to go off into epic adventures. And if I say no now, it may get you to leave this 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 hobby and stifle all of that creativity that could have come from this. Oh, yeah. One of my first characters when I first started playing was Siegfried from uh, Soul Calibur. Um nice. Which that was for your campaign. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, like, that's actually one of the ways I have people make their first characters if they've never played before. Like, yep. if they don't have, if they have no idea what they want to be, and like, I try telling them, you know, well, you can do this, you can do this, and nothing's sounding good to them. I'm like, okay, who do you want to be? 
Like, get, give me a character that you like from fiction anywhere. Who do you want to be? I will get you as close as possible. And I might tell them, you know, you're not going to be able to do this or this, but in a few levels, we're going to get you there. And and actually completely tying this back to Critical Role, let's look at their first characters. So you have the Goliath Barbarian. Okay, that's pretty stereotypical. Mm-hmm. You have the Half-Elf Rogue. You know, the dark and mysterious half-elf rogue. That's pretty stereotypical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, no- some of them, I don't know if that was their first character. No. No, no especially Liam. Oh, you know what? Here, Liam you know what? and Talison. Here's the question. Who do you think, and you may know for a fact, what when they did this birthday thing for Liam, who was playing D&D for the first time ever? That I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know the facts. I know who I would right. guess. Well, who would you guess then? Because I have my guesses, and there's at least two. Lauren, Travis, Ashley. Yeah? I My guess was... I will say that if and I... And maybe at two, that point, maybe Marisha. Really? I think we Together in, yet. Right. I think Marisha no, definitely you, because of... Well... I mean, the, the lack of the, knowledge of her spells. Yeah, the lack of knowledge of like how to play a character, but at the same time, I've had players who've been playing for a really long time and still they just don't that it that kind of knowledge just doesn't click in their head, so they're still asking me, "How do I do this again?" Um, so I mean, that's kind of a, a end of campaign one, and Liam's still asking how sneak attack damage works. Yeah. Well, so, okay. In their in their defense, they did also go from Pathfinder. To fifth edition, yeah, that that was that's rough. Yeah, that is that is like essentially going straight from third edition, skipping fourth edition, going into fifth edition. I think that'd be easier, actually. You think? Yeah, I think I think fifth has more in common with third than it does fourth. Oh well, okay, you're right. You're right. Not to say that that still wouldn't be difficult. You're right. So I think my guess and uh, Sam, I don't I don't believe. That Sam, well, I mean, I would if, if he came up to me and was like, no, nah, I used to play. Cool, I believe you. At this point in time, I don't believe that Sam played a day of D&D in his life before that birthday party. That would make sense. Yes. But with how close he and Liam are, mm-hmm. it'd be wild. Like, because you eventually drag your friends into things. Right. Like, I have friends who well, never did costuming, and they're like, okay, so you made me want to do this thing. But that's that's it. He drug him in right then as a birthday i mean okay mm-hmm. i also gotta say D is you can drag your friends into a lot of things D <laughs> is 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 one of the harder ones um i've yeah, tried to drag so. friends into D before and like they're they're just not interested they're like it's not my thing i mean just look at yourself i mean like you I've are so many people try and be like oh yeah i'll dm for you one day i was like i'm good yeah. And like I have had a f- couple of friends I drag them into D&D for my birthday. Like there have been many times when I um I can think of two big events. Like there was one time when I orchestrated I still don't know how we got this to work. Uh, especially seeing as how it was 4th edition at the time. I had four tables simultaneously running of D&D with four different DMs and I was standing in the middle of all four tables and kind of being a judge for all four tables. And I put them all at four different entrances to the same dungeon. 
And if the two party, if two parties ran into each other, I would merge their tables. And now it was like a PVP event. So we we got it to work. I mean, like it was a fantastic day. We played like twelve hours of D anD D that day. Now, how many of them stuck with it? Um, quite a few. Um, I would say, well, a quarter of them were my D anD D group already. Well, that's what I'm so, saying. Like, the, they you, were. You said you were. We were talking yeah. about you were dra- dragging friends into D anD D. Of the ones that had never played D&D before, who stuck with it? I would say about half. About half the ones who had never played before stuck with it after that. That's a good number to me. Yeah. And then years later, after I moved to Tennessee, um, there's a, a restaurant. Well, there was a restaurant. They they didn't survive the pandemic. Um, but there was a restaurant in Murfreesboro, Tennessee called the Green Dragon Inn um, that was based off of the, the Lord of the Rings. Um, and they had a room in the back that was specifically meant for gaming groups to come and play games while they, you know, ate food and drank drinks and all that good stuff. And I hosted a D&D game in their back room there. And I had a couple friends from Maryland come up just to uh, come down to um, just to play and like a couple friends from all over the state come and play. And all of them still play D&D now. That, that was a 100% turnover rate from that game. But getting people to come, you kind of have to have a reason. You can't just be like, I like this thing. I think you'll like this thing. A lot of other people are like, no, I've heard about D&D. It just doesn't seem like my thing. Until you actually give them a reason to sit down at the table and try it. Um, it's They just don't want to for some reason. True. Yeah, you can't force somebody to do it or they'll never like it. And see, I'm content listening to everybody else's stories. Like, all my friends who play, I'll be like, what happened this week? And I'm, like, invested in their story. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's perfect. I've even been used as an NPC. One of my, I do, like I said earlier, I do Star Wars costumes. Mm-hmm. My Twi'lek Mando, who happens to be a sniper, was used as an NPC in a friend's campaign. And let's just say it's a good thing they decided to talk instead of trying <laughs> to fight. well that's that's cool though i i I will say that i think that every gamer needs a friend like you someone that wants to hear their stories Mm -hmm. because i mean i mean i know rick you know me and rick talk we love telling our stories to people who aren't like invested in the game you get people who are invested in the game and they have opinions on how things should be done Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who doesn't play the game is just like, that's an awesome story. I fucking love it. Yep. That's and what that's... I'm in it for. Yeah. Now I've picked up and learned a lot of the, a lot of rules, a lot of, I don't even know just from watching it, but that's also because I consumed two campaigns worth of critical role in the span of two months. I think it would be impossible to watch that much critical role and not pick up on some rules. Yeah. And then I find myself talking about it, and I'm like, how am I doing this? I don't know this game. Oh, you know well, the game. You know the to, game. You might not play the game. Hundreds you know of hours game. into... Yeah. To be fair, you know the most important... To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. You know the most important rule of the game. You roll a d20. Honestly, I that's... Li- somewhere. Literally the most important rule of the game is yep. you roll a d20, and you add some numbers. Especially 5th edition. Well, and I know the second rule, too. What's that? Collect all the dice. Yes. That's, yeah. I do that part. I do that part of play. That's almost rule point five, actually. That's almost more important than roll a d20. You know why? Must collect all of the dice. Because you you gotta get a d20. That's right. Before Mm -hmm. you can roll a d20. That's right. 
<laughs> no, I am 100% a dice goblin that does not play tabletop role-playing games. Oh, well, the one thing, we're going to come back to our affiliate there. All those dice, they have dice. They're all those uh, bath bombs. They have dice in them, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah. And each dice set is themed after the character of that dice bomb. I got this from one of them. It's a little pumpkin with a witch hat. Oh! Yeah. Look how crisp that is, too. It's so <laughs> chunky. Yeah, the dice they the dice they have are, are quality and just really cool. We're just going to turn this into an entire we, fucking... We, we reached out to them and asked them to be our affiliate because we like them that much. Like, it's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of our affiliates are are that. Yeah. <laughs> so we were just like, we think you're really cool. Will you like affiliate with us? <laughs> I mean, go out there and get you what you want. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. Fuck. Yo, I think I think half the fun of this podcast so far is like, okay, now we're done talking about bath bombs. Where were we? Oh God. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> Oh, we're, no. we're in the deep, deepest, darkest warehouse of the guild right now. Where the fuck? How did we even get in here? We've just been walking and talking, man. <laughs> you know how it goes? Like, you're, say you're at Ren Fair, and you're just walking <laughs> and talking. You're like, wait, oh am my I in the God. middle of the woods now? That's not, that's not even fake. That's the, You could get lost at the Ren Fair. Uh-huh. And it's just a big circle. You don't, I mean, I don't know what the fuck. I'm doing when I'm there. I'm just talking and then all of a sudden I look up and I don't know why there are pirates here, but let's just roll with it. Big circle would be nice. TRF is big circle with rows. Yeah, our the the um the Ohio one is just a big circle, but the roads that go through the middle are weird. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like you're going to walk out here and it's like, "Oh, oh god, okay. We have to go over to left where the hell is the mead? I know the mead was around here. It's also a very oh. large circle. I mean, like, if you oh, yeah. took your time going around that circle, it would take you the entire day. Yeah. Like, by the time More you get back day, out to the entrance. If you actually want to look. Yeah. Yep. Honestly, my waypoint at TRF is there's a stand that sells sautéed mushrooms. If I can find the mushroom stand. Ooh, that sounds wonderful. Like, cold day, and you get one of those little paper boats yeah. just piled high. With thin sliced sautéed mushrooms. I may go out and get some mushrooms. Where, where, where's that one? Where's that uh, Ren Faire? <laughs> uh, that would be the Texas Renaissance Festival Ooh, in Todd okay. Mission, Texas. Hey, you know what? The guild I have has been talking about. The guild has been talking about going for a visit. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, I, I have a, I have a certain encounter table that I need to visit down there. So. I, uh, this also, is true. <laughs> I also really don't want to go to the Tennessee Renaissance Fair this year. I've been looking for another one to go to this year. So I don't know how much I'll be out at the one I mentioned uh, this year just for financial reasons. But the, Baron, if you came to visit, I would make an exception. The state yeah. of Tennessee bought the Renaissance Fair. Um, it was owned by a couple who literally built a castle because they wanted a castle. So they live there year-round, and then they, they started hosting a renaissance fair at their castle. And the state of Tennessee bought it, and now they're con- they're treating it like a state park and trying to make it more family-friendly. So they there's no more alcohol. It's all gone. Um, they got rid of, like, all the uh, 18 and over shows. And to be honest, 
it was mid to begin with. I liked it because it was my <laughs> Renaissance fair. Can I um, say how much I like that word, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was mid to begin with, and now that the state has bought it, I'm just like, no, I'm good. Thanks. Alcohol was the only thing that made this, this red fair bearable. <laughs> now you've taken that away from me, you monsters. Well, to an extent they can do that. I can confirm that I can sneak four flasks in underneath my Vexalia coat. I, I, I even made little holsters for them. One is... Oh my god, that's uh, awesome. Wait... I'm waiting. Direheart, Snowmead, oh. Green Tear Whiskey, and Courage from a particular scene <laughs> in Campaign 1. That's awesome. I had a little too much fun with my cameo cutting out. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. We, we definitely, we'll need, we definitely need to come down. I, I think I think if the guild came down. Okay, I so think you know that much of what happens there. At well, least. Okay, so I don't watch it, but I do have a TikTok. Like it's like I've done that scene on TikTok. Like those those like super popular scenes that like everyone does on TikTok or even YouTube. Like um, I'm I'm deep into animator YouTube. So like when people like animate scenes, like just random animated scenes, like I'll see those. Between that one and the bathtub. Yeah. Yeah, the bathtub did, did get pretty hot there for a second. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... So, oh, man. So what do you think even of know... Campaign 3 so far and where it's going? My man, you were right there. Right? Right? Ah, hey! It's like we've worked together for a little while. <laughs> I, it, it... Took an episode or two for me to, like, I don't get me wrong, I loved that first episode, but I'm still like, where are they going with this? Because it's, they didn't really have a goal. They didn't have anything they were planning, which I know, it's the first episode of Campaign, we literally just met everybody. But it's really grown on me, and after how Campaign 2, they were explicitly told basically no callbacks. Campaign three, bets are off. Everything is a callback, and I love it. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like even I, across continents. I will say that I am definitely enjoying it, but I was, I will say I'm, di I was disappointed in the beginning, and I will, I will explain my disappointment. People can come at me for all they want. It's fine. These are like the only complaints that I had. So. Campaign three, we were all excited. What the what was the main thing we were excited about? Seeing what characters everybody was going to play. So we got three original characters. Four. Maybe four. Laudna, Imogen. Yeah, four. Ashton and FCG. And then Bertrand and the the Exandria Unlimited group. Which I love Exandria, the uh, Exandria Unlimited group, and I definitely understand why they moved them over. You know, it, it's fine. They, they're, they're. That's probably... why they played those. Is was so they could play right. test them for campaign three. Right. But then, you know, and I really like them. I really like Dorian. Sadie had to go. And then Bertrand, which you know, I, I knew that was a thing, and I'm like, uh, he's gonna die. I know he's going to die. Then we're gonna get a brand new Travis character. Then I'll be damned if he wasn't a fucking repeat character too. Travis even made a comment on that on the talk show on Tuesday. We have all these brilliant original characters, and then there's this asshole who tried to kill Santa Claus. Wait. 
And he didn't even really try to change his name. Scary, what, what do you what do you want to call him? How about Chetney? But the other character's name is Chutney. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. It'll be fine. Nobody's gonna notice. Nobody's gonna notice. Spoiler alert! We noticed. What? That's at TikTok too. Nobody's gonna notice. How are they gonna know? They're gonna. They're gonna know. How are they gonna know? Nobody's gonna know. It ranks right up there with the with the campaign two moment where Vilya is revealed on Rumble Cusp. Oh, Sam I, oh, found out because he was watching chat mm-hmm. and proceeds to text Liam. And they all texted Marisha and Marisha didn't look at her phone. So Marisha didn't remember her mother's name from oh, campaign one. I'm so happy that she didn't catch on until they had to tell her. Oh, that until reveal. after the episode technically oh, ended. It that, was so good. It was the oh, my God, that's my mom. <laughs> yeah. And Sam, Sam was just like... Sam's just like this, waiting for people to look at his... I mean, it was the same as the faces when Laudna and Orem, Talison just going, and uh, Lara looking like she wants to wring Marisha's neck. Right. I think a couple of them knew outright. I think Sam appreciates the, the dramatic reveal. That's the theater kid in him. So he doesn't tell anybody. I don't even think he tells Liam anymore. <laughs> Oh, you know what? No, I bet he did tell Liam, which is why Liam started drilling her for information that one night. Well, Liam's been interested in that since she said Whitestone. That's fair. Because he's from that area, right? Like no. that, continent, that continent? Well, yeah, they're, they, yeah, he worked, he Wait. works with, Ke- Orem works with Keyleth. He is right. on a mission from Keyleth. That's, that's right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. But then, as soon as she starts dropping Whitestone lore, even in the first episode, and Talison's just... Because <laughs> that was his baby. Mm-hmm. And then watching his reaction to that, to the Laudna reveal, and the, even afterwards, he's like, we need to talk. Right. <laughs> you motherfucker, we need to talk. <laughs> but yeah, so I... Wow, rabbit, rabbit trail again. Um, hey, we're still on critical role. Right, yeah, well, yeah, that's fair, that's fair. So I'll say those are my only complaints about the uh, about the show. I think I I'm really looking forward to see where this goes, though. I think that I think I think Mercer's playing the long con right now. He's setting some shit up, is what he's doing, and he's going to be in it for a big fucking reveal because they they kind of hit a BBEG there for a second, but they didn't beat it. There's going to be a big fight. I feel like it gets bigger though. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. this mm, mm-hmm. y'all mm-hmm. mentioned guild decrees. Another mm-hmm. one of my mm-hmm. head cannons. Have you looked at the layout of Drusar? No, I have not. Wait, you're talking about the spires? You okay. know what it oddly looks like. Hmm. Hand. Okay. What if the big bad involves resurrecting a titan? Oh, from the from the oh, I can't remember the wars that they called the the, the not the elemental wars. The Primal Wars? What the fuck do they call them? Anyways, yes, I know what you're talking about. The um, Calamity. That's it. it. The Calamity. Pre, it, like, they, pre-Calamity. They did call it the Calamity, yeah. Oh, that'd be crazy. That'd like, be crazy. once I saw the art, I'm like, that looks like a fucking hand. Why does it look like a hand? Especially after the Rumble Cusp thing, again, where Vilya's been there the whole time. Vox Machina just had no reason to be there. Mm-hmm. What if it's an actual hand? So we're just... That would- 
we're just taking pages straight out of the Eternals now. I uh, well, seen it. I, I will say, I will say that I think that well, it, it's it's hard to tell who took what out of who in that respect. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that's that's been a, a, a that that could almost be a trope. I mean, like that was a thing all the way back in the the tale of the Monkey King. Mm-hmm. The 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 buried Titans. In campaign one, the city of Tharum Fala was on the back of a res of a Titan that Delilah resurrected because she is a necromancer. <laughs> a primordial Titan. So it would not be the first time it's made an appearance. Well, not that same one, obviously, but right. the concept. But to have an actual city built on it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that's something. I mean, and honestly, even if it didn't come back to life, that would still be a pretty badass reveal. Because, I mean, even the layout, the they've got a long spindly one, they got a little short one. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. The imagery is there. Everything I'm, everything I'm looking up and everything I'm seeing, it looks like it's five spires. Mm-hmm. And one of them is much shorter than the other one. Like, a, you know, a thumb. Now, I will say a lot of the ones I'm seeing are like, you know, the layouts are different. But for the most part, it's uh, know, the, look, go the find the four. one that they use in the art reel, because the art reel is no longer fan submitted. Mm-hmm. It is predetermined and is the same every week because of some things that went on in the art community or the crit roll art community. Um, but yeah. the ones they use are going to be the quote unquote official. It's all art that they have officially commissioned or uh yeah yeah nice i still stand by it though that's what i want to see that'd be great that'd be great especially if it was a all right this is coming to life reveal (laughs) the whole city's destroyed because this titan is coming back to life shadana must be saved at all costs yes there's no question there though shadana is the henry crabgrass so far of campaign three (laughs) like we have to, to must protect. Uh, well, and pretty. And pretty. We have oh, to save pretty. Buddy. Oh, buddy. I felt, oh, uh, that was so well played. I loved how that whole scene played out. So, uh, again, spoilers, Rick. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil this for you since I don't know if you're ever going to get to it. Pretty is an ogre, and he he's a cook in this uh, tavern. Mm-hmm. While they were trying to distract him in Laudna asked him out on a date and the other women in the group didn't know what to do. So they all invited themselves to the date. So they all three went on a date with pretty, right? They had a great time, you know, blah, blah, blah. He brought them all vegetables. Yeah. Yep. And like, they got confused and tried to give him stuff, but it was all like, like, uh, uh, Laudna gave him like a bunch of bones put together in a, in a bouquet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so anyways, at the end of the date, he's like, you know, Pretty really had a good time, but I don't think it's going to work out. Like a straight <laughs> up, it's not you, it's me moment. Which so yeah. over to the three and characters. And they're still traumatized by it. They, they still talk about it. They're like, oh yeah, we all three got broken up with by an ogre. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. And, and it's... Well, I don't know about I don't know about Fern, but Laudna and Imogen both have pretty high charismas because they're also sorcerers. Right. They're both sorcerers, right? 
Uh, Imogen is pure sorcerer. Laudna is a Sorlock. Sorlock. Which Warlock also runs off of... Charisma. Charisma. So yeah, so they both have to have high charisma. So these two, at least... I Fern may have high charisma too. I don't know. She's a druid, so who knows. Um, they're getting broke up with by an ogre. <laughs> it's just great. I love it. Well, the druid uh, probably has a high wisdom score, so uh, I think... The druid probably knows and feels it the hardest about because with that high wisdom, she does too. Mm -hmm. Oh man, those character sheets are a mess. Oh yeah, strength is the party's dump stat. I sometimes I so I like watching the stuff and figuring out the themes that the characters are going for. Like campaign two, um, the I think that um, the theme of campaign two was like a duality we are this but we're actually this almost every single one of them had that moment of i'm this but i'm actually this jester i'm a cleric but i'm actually a warlock mm -hmm. i mean Fair. it's not it's not much of a stretch but yeah and then you have veth i'm a goblin but i'm actually a halfling you know what i mean all, and all then of Ford, them i'm refined but i'm a hick oh he's the worst one I'm I'm refined, but I'm a hick. Oh, I'm a fighter. Oh wait, no, I'm it was I'm a I'm a hick. Then it was I'm refined. Oh the shit, country you're right. Voice was first. You're right. You're right. The, because the, otherwise, the, the Ford Tough joke wouldn't happen. Right, right. But but then he's also I'm a fighter. Actually, I'm a warlock. Actually, I'm a paladin. It's like, come on, buddy. Ugh. Um, but yeah. So yeah, all of them have that thing. So I'm trying to figure out the theme of this one. Because I believe they kind of all get together. Like, this is my... I don't I don't read anything, so I don't know. I have a feeling they all get together and they talk with each other. And they're like, okay, let's come together on, like, a theme for this campaign. So I'm, I'm wondering what the theme for this one is. And I hope it's not team dump stat. Uh, team strength dump stat. I hope well, there's something deeper to it. Fern, Laudan, and Imogen are all single digits on strength. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean... When it comes to 5th edition, and, like, this doesn't have anything to do with Critical Role, like everything I've said tonight. When it comes to 5th edition, strength is useless anyway, I think. I mean, like... When, when, if you have a high dexterity, what do you need strength for? Yeah. I mean, like, everything strength does, you can do better with a different stat. Essentially, like, yeah. The only fighter I ever made in 5th edition, strength was the dump stat for my fighter. I mean, that's Orem. Orem that is, is Orem. He's yeah. a dexterity fighter. Yeah. Dex twenty, strength ten. Because you use you use you get a high dex and then use a finesse weapon and you're gonna do better than you would have with that strength weapon anyway. Yep, you're right. And you get the AC out of it too. Yep. Yeah. And, the only thing yeah. that strength is really really good for is move big rock or kick down door, and right. there are other ways around those problems. Well, that's why it's funny, because at one point, Imogen did try to move Big Rock or something similar with her strength of eight. <laughs> and then I think Laudna, with her five, came in to help. Mm -hmm. Which I think she rolled really well, but I think she still didn't get it. Which <laughs> I think is kind of a problem with 5th edition, is everything's a, a charisma caster. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, let's not get into edition wars. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, that's where y'all will lose me entirely, because I have no clue. <laughs> I'll just sit here and look dumbfounded. Hey, the fact that you know dump stat, that's that's something. I think 
I There's think... a reason I relate to Keyleth. Charisma is my dump stat. Oh. Oh. I you think, stop uh, it. I think sorcerers should be a constitution caster. I'm not against that. I'm not against that. Because they are, like, they're hard-forcing the weave, right? They didn't learn how to use the weave. It's just a, a natural ability of theirs to use the weave. And, like, the whole reason not everybody uses magic is because the weave can, like, hurt you. Like, it's it's like one of those things where if you're not using it properly, like, it, it breaks apart the world or, hurt, or damages you. So, like... If you're, like, forcing the weave to do what you want it to do, I think that should be a constitution caster. I'm not against that at all. That sounds awesome. Talk about magic doing crazy things, like rolling voluntarily on a wild magic table and turning your character blue for the second campaign in a row. <laughs> wild magic sorcerer is a perfect reason that sorcerer It's not a wild be... magic sorcerer. She got an item oh, that uh... lets her, if she uses metamagic, she can voluntarily roll... On a wild magic table, in the first roll, she turned herself blue. Like, deep navy blue. With <laughs> lavender hair. Because that's what she has. <laughs> but she's the one who played the blue tiefling last campaign. So it's like she's blue again. That is funny. That is funny. Curious to see how that plays out tonight. Yeah, I, I really gotta catch up. Work, work has been getting crazy, though. I can't watch stuff in between calls anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you have one of those... Gerb things. Yeah, dang gerbs. So Baron, still working on that front. <laughs> you ready to throw a bow on this one? I mean, if you want to, I guess <laughs> I can. So, I, I guess from my perspective down this bunny trail, D&D is a really fun get- Wait, are we talking about D&D? <laughs> Critical Role is a font of media. It spawns books it spawns shows now like legit cartoons on amazon you know and they're still going really strong on their live play campaigns um i don't see this train slowing down anytime soon and i am here for it because again i have said this on multiple podcasts the more popular this gets that means the more stuff for us. We, we the consumer, in order to form a more perfect consuming thing, <laughs> we'll continue to buy all the stuff. We will continue to buy the books and add them to our campaigns. We will watch and gain inspiration. And really, I hope deep down, the message of critical role really starts to catch on and that we all remember to love each other. Perfect. Uh, cosplay Meg, if anybody liked what you had to say and wants to find you anywhere on the internet, where can they do that? I am at Cosplay Meg on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, CosplayMeg.com. I tried to unify that just to make it easy. <laughs> so that's C-O-S-P-L-A-Y-M-E-G. Like, shut up, Meg. <laughs> we'll have those links uh, and more in the description down below um, make sure to email us at castersguild at gmail.com check us out on all the socials and we will see you in the next one bye everybody bye 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 bye, bye. 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 Baron's hard for bard 2022